Hello and welcome to Makers.dev episode Deb Dev episode number one two six. Chris, did you know that on December sixth, one two six, in fourteen ninety two, after exploring the island of Cuba for gold, which he had mistaken for Japan, Christopher Columbus landed on an island that he named Hispaniola. All right then. <laughs> did, All right then. Did he? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know much about Columbus except for in 1492 he sailed the ocean blue. That's right. And then killed a bunch of people. That's what I know. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we celebrate him, and then there was a whole thing of like we shouldn't be celebrating this person, and yeah. Uh, I bring that up to say Hispaniola is the name of the boat in the film Muppets Treasure Island, which is an American classic, one of the best films one, of all time. That was one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. When I looked up this fact. <laughs> I, I linked it to Muppets Treasure Island, and then I thought, hold on, Muppets Treasure Island is based on the classic novel Treasure Island. I bet that's not something they made up. Like, that's, that has nothing to do with the Muppets, <laughs> the name is Pignola. So, to confirm for you, in Treasure Island, the boat that they travel on is also named the Hispaniola, but oh, I know right, it then. from Muppets Treasure Island. <laughs> I thought, it's been a long time since I read Treasure Island. I thought it was about, like, someone who was marooned. Uh, that features that was just, yeah. There, there's there's a part of that person. story. Okay. I guess yeah. it was just part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Spoilers. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> For books published more than 100 years ago. I think that's okay. <laughs> uh, hi. You just got back from an epic adventure. Traveling the world. Similar right. to... Uh, uh, oh. Name of the protagonist in Muppet's Treasure Island. Uh, Kermit the Frog? No. It's the it's the kid. <laughs> John. Oh. oh. Similar, I, to, similar to that I don't guy. remember. <laughs> You've traveled the world. <laughs> Uh, you just came back from Iceland. How was Iceland? Yeah. What did you get up to? Yeah, the, the pictures great. you sent, by the way, look unreal. It looks like made up by Mid Journey. It look, looks so cool. Yeah, yeah. I took a bunch of pictures. Um, yeah. So this was a like a fifteenth year wedding anniversary uh, trip for me and my wife and her sister and husband. And so we all went together, um, which is great because you get to like share the cost of a rental car and stuff and uh, share driving. You know. Um, yeah, it was it was great. We wanted to go for a long time. Um, the pictures I took like i just took them like i normally would take pictures and i processed them like i normally would but it came out like i think super good and yeah. that's all because of iceland like there's a waterfall every 10 minutes there's lava fields and glaciers and there's all sorts of stuff and we had like not great light for pictures like it was kind of gray and overcast a lot of the time it was kind of a bummer but then i get back and i'm like these pictures are still <laughs> really really good <laughs> uh so yeah I was, I was super super excited about that uh the trip went well nothing crazy bad happened we only got rained out like one day um the rest was was gray but what pretty good weather so yeah it was a great trip wonderful great i uh was reminded of traveling in groups that you can you can specialize you don't have to be fielding every single question you don't have hmm. to be like uh even in just a group of two Oh, I'll, I'll compare it to solo traveling because that's a clear example. If, when you travel by yourself, you got to worry about where you're going to stay and where you're going to eat. And if, if any sort of problem happens, you're the person who's got to fix the problem. Versus traveling in a group is nice because people sort of specialize on a group trip that Sarah and I took, I think it was two years ago now, to um, Croatia. I was the driving guy. I wasn't the decide where to go guy or <laughs> right. the enter stuff in the GPS guy. I was the driving guy because I was the only one in the group that could drive manual. And that's a manual driving country. And that was yeah. great. And so any problem involving the car, car's got to move somewhere. Oh, I'm the driving guy. I drive the car somewhere. And in exchange for that, I don't have to worry about where we're going to eat. I don't have to worry about the hotel stuff. I'm not the hotel guy. Sarah's friend is the hotel guy. 
uh, uh, woman in this case. And uh, yeah, it's it's nice. You get to relax more. And then when bad things happen also, I find when I'm traveling alone, I start to sort of panic. And when bad things happen in a group, my impulse is to like laugh about it and be like, ah, isn't this <laughs> isn't this going to be a fun memory between all of us? So we'll be right. able to talk about how terrible this hotel is. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's my preferred way of traveling now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was really nice. Like my sister-in-law picked all the hotels, so I didn't touch that at all. Uh, my brother-in-law, his brothers had been before, so he had a rough itinerary. Uh, my job was sort of pick all the restaurants and uh, then actually like decide minute by like like which order we're going to do all the things in mm-hmm. um yeah so I, I think we did the same thing sort of accidentally we specialized in different uh different things um any more than four and it becomes like a hassle i think to like coordinate everyone and times mm-hmm. and schedules even with four we're like they wanted to do something one day and my wife wasn't feeling that great so like we stayed behind and just that was enough to be like a little bit of a, a stressor mm-hmm. um but i think four is a pretty good number yeah to travel with What's the number of the measurement of connections in a graph? As it, that exponentially Ed, increases as edges. You is that what you're talking about? What are you? Uh, it might be Metcalf's law. Oh, I think it's oh, Metcalf's I, law is what I'm talking about. Yeah, the, the remember, edges in yeah. a graph, but it's it's yeah. the law specifically of like the that that increases exponentially yeah. while the number of nodes increases linearly. Yeah, four seems about right because you can all fit in one car. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's that's when uh, things start to explode. And then I imagine there's another tipping point at like eight people. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Great. Anyway. Yeah. If anyone is interested in Iceland, uh, I'm happy to share and I encourage you to go. You you can do it pretty cheaply if you get the right specials. And if you camp, like renting a camper van is like the same price as renting a four by four, which is what we did, like a, like a all wheel drive car. Um, and then campsites are way cheaper than the hotels. Hmm. So like you can do it really cheaply if you want. Um, we didn't, <laughs> but you can. Yeah. Love it. One of the things I love about travel is that it changes me. I go there mm. and I realize, ah, they all don't have forks here. <laughs> well, why do we have forks? That seems sort of arbitrary. And then I start thinking about how I've never questioned the use of forks in my life. Did you have any moments like that where you realized, oh my gosh, in Iceland, they do things this way that I hadn't even uh, realized was a, a preference you could have? Uh, but Restaurants, the prices seem expensive, but that's because it includes uh, like tip and tax. Mm. and it was super nice like you see a price and you pay that price <laughs> like that was really nice mm. um i don't know that i don't know if that's the biggest one or not but that was something that we definitely noticed like yeah yeah i felt I that know. when i went to australia i was like i can't afford the restaurants here they're too expensive but then i compared it with when i came back and i actually ended up spending more in the u.s when i went to restaurants because yeah. it yeah it was, it was the same thing tip and tax are uh included in australia but not in the u.s mm-hmm yeah, uh, I'm sure there's more. I mean, just the the change in scenery was just ridiculous. Like it gets you mm-hmm. out of your head when you, like I, you know, drive my kids to school every day and I see the same stuff, and yeah. it's mostly farmland in here, and uh, then I go there and there's like a mountain everywhere. Yeah, like, just everywhere you look, there's a mountain, uh, which is which is very interesting. Changes. Did you feel sad coming back home with the the lack of geography? Uh, sort of, but then I like I realized one of the reasons we live in Indiana is because it's just ridiculously cheap. Mm-hmm. So you know we can save the two grand we don't spend on a mortgage every month and yeah. go on a trip like Iceland, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Like if we live somewhere else, it'd just be way more expensive. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's a choice that we choose to make. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar about, uh, how Sarah and I feel about Dallas. Like it's a yeah. city. 
so uh, we, we like Texas. Uh, and yeah, cost of living is extremely reasonable to the point that, you know, if, if we compare it with living anywhere else, yeah, we're, we're saving like enough money every month to potentially go on a trip every month if we wanted to do that. Yeah, wonderful. I'm so glad you had a great time. Uh, I think you did not successfully photograph the Aurora Borealis, which was one of your yeah, goals. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it was like gray every single day. Um, th there was one day where it was totally clear, and I was like, all right, this is the day. Do a Milky Way photography. We'll see if we see the Aurora. The, the, the solar activity was low, so there's low chance anyway. So we go to dinner. It's completely clear. We come out of dinner. It's completely cloudy again. Oh. <laughs> so, and then every other day it was cloudy. So I, I got one shot where I have like a, a like a quarter sized picture of the sky that has stars in it, and the rest is just clouds. Uh, that was my only nighttime photography. Yeah, um, but it was all right. Yeah, you have an excuse to go back now. That's right. Got to go back in the winter. See the aurora. Got to go back in the. Uh, we, we saw a puffin, which was the the bird we wanted to see, but it was right at the end. That, yeah. Yeah, it was right at the end of the season. So we want to go back more in the summer as well to see more puffins. Um, although we might do that in Scotland instead of going back to Iceland two more times. Mm -hmm. We'll see. But that's I haven't been to Scotland. Maybe we'll do uh maybe we'll do a quad uh trip the four of us <laughs> to, to Scotland. To Scotland. Yeah, yeah. You served uh, yeah. We, we, we want to go well, my wife's family's from Scotland, but we um we went to Edinburgh for two days when we visited we visited London several years ago because that's where my sister in law was living at the time. Mm -hmm. Um and we only did Scotland for two days. So now we want to go back and do like all the parts we missed uh, because, you know, it's a nice country to drive around. So mm. yeah. love it. You have also restarted your master's program, yep. taking classes again. How's that going? Yeah, two classes. I'm only a couple weeks in. They, they started while I was in Iceland. So I like, I successfully ignored everything, I think, and then just did the first assignments real quick when I got back. Mm. I'm doing uh, uh uh, reinforcement learning and natural language processing. Um, I almost dropped one of the classes because I have like too much stuff going on, but mm. they're good classes to take together. One has a midterm and a final project. The other one doesn't have a midterm and has a final exam. So like mm. the, the work is distributed pretty well. So yeah, that's, that's going on so far. I'm still taking both classes. Okay. Fair. How many classes do you have left in the whole master's program before you finish it? Five. Yeah. So okay. if I want to finish in any amount of time, I have these two and then three more. Um, if I do a thesis, that's two classes. So I really should do a thesis if I want it to like be interesting post, you know, like then I can have something to point back to and be like, this is what I researched. Right. Right. Uh, but I haven't made that decision yet. So okay. that seems obvious with the amount of self-directed stuff you've been doing on Kaggle. And yeah, I, I should do it. The, the hardest part is you have to find a faculty member to sponsor you. Um, and that apparently is not easy. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Neat. I'm glad that's going well. Uh, one of the things you asked me, one of the things you said you, you were interested in talking about is your building a camera project. I'd like to dig into that. <laughs> tell, <laughs> I'm, tell me more. I, I think I'm we mentioned about, it uh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago, but yeah, where, where's that at? I'm thinking about building a camera. Um, I have a Raspberry Pi. You could buy a camera module uh, and you can buy lenses for it, but I also have like some, um, like scientific lenses and stuff. I, I made a telescope like a long time ago, like when I was in high school. That's awesome. And uh, I could take that apart and like make a big old lens for it. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think it'd be very interesting. Um, but if I want to do it right, then I have to buy a 3D printer in order to uh, make all the different parts of it. Finally. So, <laughs> we'll see. I have not convinced myself yet. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I want to make a camera that I, I, it has to be something different than just a regular mm. camera. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, just buy a camera. So I want to make a 
big and chunky with like arcade buttons and like a giant <laughs> flip, flip, flip toggle switch and stuff um i think that'd be hilarious so i might do that i love it uh can you make any sort of sales pitch as to why your camera is going to be better than other cameras will it do anything in no, particular that it, okay. it won't be it'll be worse <laughs> um it can be if i do it on a raspberry pi then i can script stuff with it so if i want to like set it in a window and take a picture every day at the same time yeah yeah that becomes very easy uh but in every other way it would be worse than a regular camera <laughs> okay <laughs> can you get can can you get like full frame sensors and uh connect that to the raspberry pi so i think the answer is yes but you probably need a company and you probably need to convince one of these sensor companies that you want samples in order because like they sell a million at a time not mm. one at a time uh, but you could probably get a sample um i've looked into that a little bit uh, the, the the way other people have done it is they have gotten other cameras and scavenged them for parts. So like mm -hmm. you can get a broken camera, take out just the sensor um, as long as the sensor is still good and then mm -hmm. use it as long as you can find the data sheet. So if I actually wanted to do something with good resolution, that's probably what I'd do is find a broken camera where the sensor was still good. You know what I'm curious about now is what, is, what does the data look like when you take it off of a sensor? Is it just, uh, is it, is it a bunch of, pixels and then you just read the data each, at each pixel and then you're responsible for taking that and encoding it in some way with the, the easiest is probably just storing it as raw it very much depends on which level your 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 sensor the sensor you buy is so the raspberry okay. pi cameras have a little microchip attached which reads it out just as an image so mm. you can use the raspberry pi just read it out as an image so it does most of the work for you if you get just this raw sensor thing then yeah you have to like apply voltages which will then send a voltage out with the value of that pixel mm. and then read it off. And so it's it's a lot like it, if anyone has ever before written to a, a VGA monitor from like an Arduino, uh, this might be a very niche thing to say. But in, in college, we had to do that. We had to write it out and you, like you scan line by line and you apply voltages so that it displays the pixel you want. It's, it's exactly like that, but in reverse. That's um, fascinating. Yeah. So it can be really hard. I mean, especially... it if you can't find a data set, it's basically impossible because it's like a proprietary, you know, mm. um, uh, like sequence of events you need to do. Sure. But if you find a data set, then yeah, you can do it. You just got to write the, write the code to do it. I'm yeah. amazed if that's the technique, if, if, if uh, you could do that for a full frame sensor, because full frame, I think is something in the order of like 20 or 40 megapixels. And if yeah. you have to be applying voltage to each pixel, like what's the clock speed of a raspberry pi can can you do that in any meaningful amount of time yeah so i think you can for some things you can get a line at a time instead okay um that would so make one way. a lot more sense yeah. yeah the other way you can do it is you can get global shutter cameras and essentially what they do is they take an entire picture at the same time and then they have a little microchip on the back and then you just read the images of the entire picture the pixels of the entire picture mm -hmm. um but they are fewer and further in between so most cameras are line at a time yeah, so I think you apply the voltage to the line and then and then pull it out. Okay, that would make a lot more sense. Yeah, because if, if the clock speed of a Raspberry Pi is like a gigahertz, which I think it's slower than that, and you had to read each pixel one at a time, and it's 20 megapixels. Hold on, megapixels is a million pixels, and a yeah. gigahertz would be a thousand times faster than that. Oh, hold yes. on. If you, had to read, if you had to read one pixel at a time for a, whatever, 50 megapixel image and you had a clock speed of a gigahertz, it would take you much less than a second. I was thinking it would take about a second. Is that right? Oh. Because mega, megahertz, it, if it's megapixels yeah, it should, and you're gigahertz, 
yes. you're a thousand times faster than you would need so yes probably fine yes yeah okay i believe i believe you're fine yeah okay oh man now i want to build a camera cool <laughs> that's yeah that'll be a fun project but yeah the raspberry pi one is, is is way easier you just buy the module and then you plug it in and then you run a command line script and it gets a picture for you too so easy that, boring that is <laughs> make easy. it harder that is the easy first step yeah. <laughs> with things like this i feel like i can very easily justify investing time and in doing that sort of esoteric work by saying like merely bringing this new skill into my new adjacent possible i don't quite know what i'm going to do with this yet in the future but then in the future any sort of problem you encounter that involves uh, uh a potential solution involving a custom camera that might have nothing to do with uh, uh camera stuff well now okay you have this tool in your toolkit and you can say oh you know you know we could solve this problem by just pointing a custom camera at it and applying the special lens to it and then having it take a picture every 14 seconds uh yeah that's that's fun yeah for me. That's, same that's thing with uh getting a 3d printer that's why i'm so excited for you to get a 3d printer because that opens up your adjacent possible now like in all these areas of your life if you're ever like ah if only i had a weirdly shaped plastic piece that i'm only ever going to need one of uh right. you, you can solve that now yeah so i might we'll see uh our library has a 3d printer so my wife's like just use the libraries which is economically obviously the best thing to do obviously uh, they will print it for you they you only pay for filament it's like the best of all worlds yeah uh, but i don't know that seems boring <laughs> Similar to how you were able to justify getting your computer with the fancy 4090 GPU, mm. the advantage yeah. of that is instead of paying, uh, th there's like the there's the the first level advantage of it's going to be cheaper if you're using it at least this amount, but then there's the second level advantage of y now that you have it, you're looking for more ways to use it because the more ways that you can use it, the cheaper the actual cost is going to be. That's that's what I'd be excited about with you getting a 3D printer, that you would be then looking for things to 3D print. And I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Also, I was thinking about this over the weekend and then uh, my basement plumbing broke again. Oh. <laughs> we talked about that before. But so I spent all day Sunday fixing that. So that's oh, awesome. Man. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Was I, that while yeah. you were gone or after you got back? No, no. That was just yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. Okay. So. Do you know about the uh, automatic water shutoff things? Yeah, uh, I think we talked about this before, and they tried to pitch me on it the last time I got some uh, upgrade to our water heater. But yeah, mm. yeah, they you can shut it off with Wi-Fi, basically, uh, which yeah. is a good idea. Yeah, to have. Yeah, because like water damage is serious stuff, and yeah. yeah, it's it's not that big of an intervention. I say this also being hypocritical. I haven't done this yet. <laughs> There's a very obvious place where I could do it. We're also in a weird situation because uh, it's a condo, so the, the water shut off would shut off water to like six units at the same time. So, oh, yeah. I don't even yeah. know if you can put that in then. Yeah. I don't think we could for the whole condo, but I could for the reverse osmosis system. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, which, I'm sure. Yeah. If you have your own reverse osmosis, then the line coming out of that, you could put the water shut off on, right? Yeah. I would want just a little mini system within that. I think even I have it. I just haven't installed it. Yeah. Okay. This is a good reminder for me to, to do that. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you about is Kaggle. We haven't talked about Kaggle in a long time. How, how are you thinking about that? Yeah. So I need one more gold to get Grandmaster. Uh, there is a couple of new active competitions now. One seems very interesting uh, or fairly. I, I need to get into it before I decide if it's actually interesting. Okay. But it is um, detecting sleep cycles uh, using accelerometer data. Um, and it's done by the child mind institute or something like that so it's they put accelerometers on kids and had them uh 
like on a watch, I think, and had him go to sleep. Mm. And you would think that'd be kind of an easy problem, but it turns out it's not. Um, there's accelerometer data is very noisy and, you know, lining stuff up is difficult. And so, yeah, that, that is the competition. Um, it might be interesting. It seems like a, a very noisy data problem, which mm. is, um, there, those are always tricky because you got to deal with, you know, a lot of pre and post processing. Mm. Um, but it also might mean it's interesting. So I might do that one. We'll see. I know a little bit about that because I've done a whole bunch of research into sleep tracking and EEG sleep tracking, I think is the gold standard on right now. You, you wear this cap and it has electrodes on your forehead and it's able to measure your brain waves. And then that's much harder to trick because if you're, if you're just very still, you can trick, uh, the acceler purely acceler accelerometer based ones. And if you're very still and calm, but still awake, you can trick the trackers that are also tracking your heart rate. Um, but the EEG is like actually measuring is this, is your brain asleep? Um, yeah, that'd be a fun problem. Do you know for the, for the, for training it, do you know what their ground source of truth was of what they want your data to be? Were they doing EEG tracking at the same time? No, it's, so it's just accelerometers as far as I can tell. Yeah. How, they, how do they, you know though? Like what? Oh, I, they have human labelers. Human labor. Okay. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough thing to proxy. That'd be hard. Accelerometers are like even when i was doing the tracking on my own uh just trying to answer the question like how well am i sleeping comparing data that i was getting from production consumer level like fitbit data on uh, accelerometer and heart rate basically tracking was not nearly as good as the the eeg sleep tracking um yep you don't get heart rate also you're only getting accelerometer just acceleration yeah okay yeah uh, there's two values one is acceleration one is something else uh okay. but it's based on the accelerometer so okay i don't i actually don't know what it is i haven't looked enough yet yeah gotcha yeah that uh that'd be tough that's not a that's not a great data source philosophically all right well i'm excited for you to get back into kaggle now you, you seem to like this <laughs> it's fun talking yeah, about when it. i get yeah. into it, it it's always hard to get into it because you're like i'm never going to understand this i'm never going to be good at this and yeah, at yeah. some point a switch flips and you're like oh i understand this very deeply and i'm actually getting good at it yeah yeah um, but you got to get to that point before it's really fun and exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You need some uh, naivete, I feel like. Like, I think if I if I told you what it would have looked like, if I told you when you started one of the GPS projects, like the work that you were going to end up doing, of getting the textbook, right. all, the, all the ridiculous work you did, uh, you may have felt discouraged to do it because you would have been like, oh, that's way too much work. I don't, I don't want right. to do that. So I feel like you need to approach these sort of things with a, a little... Uh, uh, unjustified optimism yeah yeah that's exactly right yeah it'll be so easy chris just a, it's just an accelerometer what, what could possibly this it's such Great. an easy problem awesome <laughs> yeah fantastic cool. um i have one two three four five things to chat with you about um i want to talk to you about file inbox quick file inbox update i want to talk with you about rootable a larger consulting project that i took on uh rolling off of that i want to talk to you about my consultancy ask you for some advice around managing that and then i have a quick update on baby stuff and a quick update on flashcards cool so here we go for file inbox i've been working with this guy scott who uh is an experienced software founder that's been great that's been very like 
I'm, I've started to think of him sort of as a fractional CEO where I have these mm. more high level conversations with him and he's not in the weeds of the coding, which I tend to get stuck in. And, uh, he, he's just looking at this as like, all right, this is a business. How do we make it make more money? We got to find more customers. How do we find more customers? I don't know who are your customers. All right, let's try finding them on LinkedIn. So that's, that's been very useful having those, uh, conversations with them. I feel like that's, I feel like that sort of interaction is what this business has been missing to be able to grow it. And yeah, it's, I've, I've been really enjoying that. Um, the current experiments for finding new customers aren't going great. So the mm -hmm. one that I've talked about the last few weeks is finding loan officers on LinkedIn. So far, I've sent out 400 connection requests on LinkedIn to loan officers around Dallas-Fort Worth, and I have connected with 10 of them. And I have booked zero calls out of those 10. Yeah. So that feels discouraging. Uh, but it costs nothing. Like the system's already set up. So what I talked about with Scott was like, well, let's just keep doing it and see what happens. Um, with print shops, I have been sporadically visiting more print shops just to like go in and talk to them, which I'm very good at now. I, I used to be terrified of it. And uh, now if you told me like, ah, go, you know, find five print shops and go in and talk to the people in there and ask them <laughs> these questions. I'm like, all right, yeah, I could do that in like an hour. <laughs> um, the last few that I've talked to, the conversations have looked very similar. It's just like, oh yeah, here's how we get files. Is it a problem? No, not really. And I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, thanks. <laughs> Have a good Great. day. So between those two, like, I don't know. I am not, I feel like I haven't quite found what the method is yet of how to, how to find new customers. I feel like I haven't quite zeroed in on my messaging. Um, and I'm excited for finding whatever that engine is to, to be able to repeatedly find new customers. Um, the software development on file inbox also has been paused, which I'll, I'll get into in a second for why that is. Um, and I had originally like a month ago set a launch date with my assistant, uh, for nine days from now. And I kind of want to go into super turbo mode and just be like, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know what I need to do. I've like, yeah, rent a hotel room and just just do nothing but finish this. Um, but I've just been talking about it for so long, right? This was like you know episode five of this podcast. I was I was talking. About, I, I just wanted to be done. Um, and there's so many things in talking with Scott about like next steps and talking about revamping pricing that that uh, the switching to this new platform is is being held back. So what might that look like? I think what that might look like is just blocking out a day which i think i could do this week and just that day just doing nothing but file inbox i'm just gonna laser focus on file inbox on this problem of like i'm i'm going to launch in nine days and that can either go well or that could go badly so what can i do today to make that go better um yeah that's where file inbox is any any thoughts on the current state of file inbox I like a time constraint for you because, yeah, like you said, it's been a long time coming. And uh, if you push it off now, you're going to have a baby. Yeah. And then it will be six months before you launch. Yep. So if you launch in nine days, things will start to break and then you will fix them because yep. they're broken. Uh, so, yeah, do it. Launch okay. in nine days. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Good. Um, I want to briefly mention revamping pricing. The The method that Scott walked me through to do this was very interesting to me. He had me do a canvas of all of the main competitors, mm -hmm. looking at every single one of their pricing plans 
and then a, a pricing plan from a competitor is one row in a spreadsheet and then the columns from the spreadsheet are features so one column is maximum file size one column is uh storage one column is does this place let you embed the uh the form in other places and so compiling all this data in one place has made it very clear that like i, I can see i can see what over delivering value would look like and about what price point would just obviously make sense so i we're, we're thinking right now new pricing plans are going to be first of all absolutely i need a free tier uh that's mm. been made very clear by like customer research that's been made clear by doing this competitor analysis there's a lot of free options out there um so there's going to be a free tier there's going to be something around 19 dollars, and there's going to be something around 49 dollars. and then i'm going to have an enterprise like call me if you want to pay me a lot more money plan and it's from looking at the spreadsheet, I'm, I'm able to pick out like, okay, what would over uh, delivering value be at $19? Well, nobody uh, currently at the $19 price point lets you upload files more than uh, individual files bigger than, I think it's 10 gigabytes. So if I mm -hmm. do 20 gigabyte files, that's obviously over delivering value. And I think the process we're gonna go through is just for every one of these dimensions, um, you know, in, embeddable, let's just add that anyone can embed. And now we're over delivering value at, at every level. Um, doing that at, at every level for, for each one of these features, I think is gonna be how the new pricing is defined. Um, and like which features go with, with which uh, plan, which is a method which immediately makes it better than my previous method, which was just making it up, just sort of pulling stuff out of my head. I'm like, I right. don't know, should the should the $19 plan let you embed? Uh, let's flip a card and see, I don't know. Um, yeah. So it, it feels good to like actually have a system for doing this. What are your price points now? I thought you had a $99 plan. I do have a $99 plan and I don't think it makes sense. I have very few people uh, on the $99 plan. Um, and especially in doing the competitor analysis, like. I'm not delivering $99 of value in the, in the marketplace. Um, got it. Yeah. I don't feel like I, I also have a 249 plan, which people stumble on accidentally. I actually, I have someone on the 249 plan right now and I've been trying as hard as I can to talk to him. Like, who are you? Why did you do this? <laughs> it's some kind of a startup that I'm solving a specific problem that they have. Uh, I'm happy to do that. But like, especially when I launch these new plans, I don't know how to have any conversation other than, Hey, I need to switch you to this cheaper plan because you don't need to be paying that much. That's um, what the enterprise plan is for. Like whatever value they are finding, that's the new enterprise price, you know, like I could just switch them to a custom plan. That's true. I yeah. could, and then a custom plan is just anything I want. Yeah. That's uh that's something I could do for sure. Yeah. But what's their differentiator, but tier two forty nine plan right now, like why might they have picked that uh, other than sometimes businesses just pick the most expensive and, and then that's what they do. That's why it's nice to have a very expensive plan. That might be what they did. I have differentiators on the enterprise plan, but in, in going through the pricing analysis with Asia, the, th the things that I randomly differentiated the enterprise plan on, I don't think people actually care about. That's why I'm like, I really want to talk to this guy and be like, why did you pick this plan? This doesn't make any sense. Tell me. Um, but I can't talk to him. Uh, he, he won't talk to me. So uh, I'm still going to keep trying, but yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't yeah. make sense to me. I I mean, it, it's almost a case for why you should keep like 1949, 249 mm. and call me um, because some businesses like they will pick the most expensive, assuming they'll get better support or yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I 
I'm not an expert also. So listen to your experts. Listen okay. to Asia. Listen to Scott. Uh, What's your gut check on if the new pricing is free 1949? Call me. Uh, free is, I think that's good. Uh, 49 seems low for a highest listed price. That's why I said maybe you want 249 also. Like that that makes 49 seem cheap. Mm. It also gives like businesses a thing to sign up for if they don't want to call you. Mm. And then if you have a call me you you know it's going to be at least 249 so like people are anchored so so it's a nice anchor even if no one signs up for it if that makes sense 249 yeah i hear your justification i'm just struggling with like in doing the the competitor analysis i think there's one person uh offering a plan in that ballpark i think it's i think it's like around it's around 249 I, i don't know what it is exactly um but looking at the value like you get salesforce integration you get zapier you get they they have a bunch of integrations they they do a bunch of like auditing and logging and uh stuff that i can certainly do but i don't have that yet um and i uh philosophically i sort of feel cautious defining what my product roadmap is from competitors because I don't know why they chose to include those features. Like I don't have the, I'm, I'm yeah. just cargo culting. If I do that, I, I don't have the direct yeah. connection with the, with the customers. I mean, um, you have someone paying you two forty nine, right? Yeah, but I don't know why I can't talk to so, him. Well, <laughs> but it's not unreasonable that someone will, would want to pay you two forty nine. So yes. sometimes it's because it pricing is weird. Uh, it's great to over deliver and, and then have good prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes like, you know, like maybe that person, the boss would laugh at them if they signed up for a twenty dollars a month product, mm-hmm. and so they have to sign up for two forty nine just so their boss like sees it as a real expense. Sure. Like, sometimes it's stuff like that. Like you, yeah. you don't, you can't know. Um, a, a potential way around this is that a lot of the bigger competitors are doing per seat pricing. Yeah. For and uh, seat pricing didn't really make sense in the way that this was structured in the old way, and it does make some sense in the new way that. Um, that pricing is structured or that's uh, that the app is structured in the, in the serverless way um so if i'm saying yeah, I mean, it's 20 dollars per month per seat okay well now people can pay me as much as they want depending on yeah how i mean, I mean that that changes a lot of things about your business but if you say you know even if you pick a, a high number like 20 seats for the 49 dollar a month one mm-hmm. then any startup that's 100 people has to sign up for the 249 and they went like 100 249 a month for a 100 person startup is like nothing mm-hmm. um so I don't know. I would talk to people who know more than me, but uh, I think your prices sound low, especially if businesses are signing up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Noted. I, I also think free is fine. Um, just watch. I think I've told you this before, but yeah, I watched. I, I'm sure you're aware of this, but yeah, I watched free having too much in it, especially with file uploads, because if yeah. people upload giant files, uh, I think free will attract nefarious uses of file uploading things. Yeah. Uh, so having a good way to attract businesses to a free plan and then uh, ask them to upgrade uh, is a good path. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, limiting the free plan as much as possible, viewing that as just another lead magnet, like that's a, that's a market. Yeah. The, yeah. The free plan is a marketing channel now. So any expense of that I'm supporting people on the free plan, that's a, that's a marketing expense. Um, yeah. And yeah. are you going to do free forever or are you doing like 60 days free or something? Right now I do something like 30 days free just as a free trial um yeah and i want a free forever plan i think that's the way to play in this market there's a lot of free alternatives there's yeah i've also seen 
this pattern of like prosumers using this thing. So uh, they might not be using it for themselves in a way that they can justify spending money. But if this is just something that they have, that is a way that they use to collect files. Now in whatever business they're in, when a, when a business use case comes up for, hey, we need to get files from people, they immediately think of File Inbox as this dependable solution that they've used before. They already know the product. Um, and then that's when I yeah. get the paying customer. I was going to say, just make sure it's heavily branded File Inbox and there's you know good links back to you. On the if you get rid of those links, sure. you yep. pay money. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Then I think, I think it's, it's probably worth it. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, next thing I'd love to talk about. I... Uh, went to Craft and Commerce, Nathan Berry's conference for ConvertKit, and was, was that last year or just recently? Just recently, uh, like oh, a couple of months ago. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, it happened. It, just it was recently. great. It was fun. Okay. Um, boy, boy C, not boy Z. Uh, really? Idaho. Yeah, boy C. All right. Yeah. Um, voiced versus unvoiced is is what that's called. Um, and I met someone there named Laura Sprinkle and at the time was interested in chatting with her because of uh, video clipper stuff. She is involved in content and she was telling me she and her business is involved in affiliate marketing and uh, she does some stuff with video. So I scheduled a call with her to follow up to ask her more questions about how she's thinking about video. And in the process of that call, she was talking about how she's developing an app. And I was like, oh, that's cool. If you ever uh want like a second opinion on that app like that's that's something i do that's my wheelhouse i'm, I'm happy to help you and she was like oh really okay yeah wonderful so a couple weeks later she messages me and says hey our developer development shop uh is choosing this weird language and we're just uh curious about it what it wasn't uh i forgot the name of the language now it wasn't erlang but it was something Haskell? like erlang. elixir it wasn't elixir no it, it was like more esoteric than elixir Something that I didn't even know had a web framework. Um, I mean, Haskell? Maybe it wasn't that's... Haskell. Oh. Right. Rust? Go. It wasn't Rust or Go. No, it was like less mainstream than that. Okay, okay. I don't uh, remember what it was. That's going to bother me. All right. <laughs> that and the name <laughs> the name of the protagonist in uh, Treasure Island. Those are, those are both going to come to me at the, at the end <laughs> of the episode. Um, anyway, so uh, I was like, yeah, you know, the, at the end of the day, as long as you trust the developers, if you have a good relationship with them, that's what matters the most. But yeah, this, this does seem like an unusual choice. Uh, something more mainstream might be like JavaScript or Ruby or Python or something like that. And uh, she mentioned in the next email how much she was paying them. And it was a lot. And I was like, oh, well, hold on. I Could I make you a proposal as an alternative? Because I think I'm going to charge you a lot less than that for... Uh, for a better product and she was like oh i didn't i didn't even realize i could hire you yeah let's have a call about it and miraculously rapidly like uh over the course of maybe a week and a half i had effectively taken over the contract for uh that dev shop which felt really cool for several reasons one of which was that dev shop had something like 10 developers assigned to this project and i am one person so if you do the math if I'm able to do the work of 10 developers, I believe you're a 10x developer. Me, I'm a 10x developer, uh, which gets a little more complicated with what I'm about to talk about. But uh, yeah, that felt cool. So yeah, it's it's nice. It's a it's a fun. Uh, it's a it's an affiliate tracking uh, platform. So it's for creators who want to expand their business through affiliate marketing. Um, affiliate marketing sort of has a bad rap the, the way that laura's been doing it her business is based on doing this sort of bespoke uh, uh as more of a consultancy she'll get in your business and help you every step of the way develop it and, and recruit affiliates and 
have really good relationships with them as opposed to just sort of putting something on uh, some yeah. affiliate marketplace thing and getting a bunch of scammy people who you don't know. Uh, her whole thing is about like actually having a relationship with them and offering affiliates prizes and talking with them and uh, getting to better understand them. And she has seen some incredible results. Uh, she focuses primarily on course creators, but there's also customers that she's had that are uh, in the SaaS space and, and other sort of things. And she has this method of doing this multi-stage process of like, you know, first you use your affiliates to promote a, a free thing. Uh, she calls it an X factor. And then, uh, yeah, it's 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 a very good model. She has an existing business already making a lot of money. And uh, she's been disappointed with the, for, for applying her method with existing tools is difficult. So it, it's checks a lot of boxes for me. Very obvious to, to build her own software platform next. Um, is really cool. So yeah, that's, that's been a fun partnership. Um, and we're, I don't know, like three or four weeks into that and it's been going great. I'm already ahead of schedule. I'm making sure to like clear space around when Isabella is going to get here so that the, the deliverables <laughs> right. still get done. Uh, but I've, I've been really enjoying that particularly because I can just focus on the tech, like the business part of it's already yeah. figured out. She's the business expert and she doesn't know anything about tech. Ah, she knows a little bit about technology. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, it, it'd be interesting to see if this might grow into more of a, instead of a, a consultancy, if it might grow into more of like a, uh, co-founder, like I, I might take over as CTO if this starts to get bigger. Uh, but that's, that's a little counting my chickens. I'm, uh, right now I'm just really enjoying, <laughs> like it's a very yeah. good amount of money. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah. any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, several, uh, that's why I love consulting because, um, yeah, you can focus on the tech and they tell you what you want and you do it. And sometimes they ask you what you think and you tell them, um, and you know, like every relationship is different. Some, you know, that's more give or take mm -hmm. depending, but, uh, yeah, it's a great gig. So it sounds like, uh, that's cool. Um, it also sounds like the only way that I've heard affiliates like actually work is like, you have to spend a lot of time with them. You have to make sure you get good ones. You have to educate them. You have to do change your whole process in mm -hmm. order to make it work. Um, I think Nathan Barry talked about this for ConvertKit. And like usually there's an 80-20 rule. So like 80% of your revenue might come from 20% of your affiliates. Yep. I think he said it's it's more like a 95-5 or 99-1. One. Hmm. <laughs> like one or two of your affiliates will give you almost all of your revenue and everyone else will be a waste of time or a drain. Sure. Um, and like, so yeah, the more time you can spend to make sure you get good affiliates, I think uh, the better. Um, so that sounds like a neat business, neat opportunity. And uh, yeah, glad you're enjoying it. Thank you. It's been fun. Simultaneous with this, I've been working on expanding the developers that I'm working with. So I'm at I'm at mm. three people now. Uh, oh, I have wow. somebody who I found through my virtual assistant who lives in Boston. I have a former student of mine, and then I have a former student of mine's friend. And uh, that's been oh how do how uh, it's been amazing. Like like the concept of I still can't get over this, but the concept of I can just I can just tell someone what to do and give them money. And then they do yeah. it <laughs> like yeah, mind blowing. And uh, there's some, there's a little more friction now in the process of doing it. Like the uh, code review is a step of this process that I don't have to do when I'm just coding all the stuff myself. And we, you got to like make separate branches and you got to worry about merging and you got to have project management that other people can see. That's not just living in a single markdown file. Um, but once you get over that hump, okay. Th like I had, I had, I don't know, maybe an hour uh, this last Monday where I, for that hour was just reviewing code 
uh, uh, for pull requests. And in that hour, I probably got through five pull requests. And if you just take into account that hour and not the time that I spent like writing the feature and, and like having yeah, a little bit yeah. of back and forth, but just that hour was like my most effective development time that I've ever done. Cause I'm just like, hold on, does this work? Uh, yes, it does. Approve it, merge it, done. <laughs> does this work? Ah, uh, no, I want this one thing changed. Comment on it, send it back to them, done. Uh, so that's that's exciting because I can I can see the potential of like, oh, I could be like, this is how you scale up in, in development. ChatGPT is cool, but what's cooler is managing people who are using ChatGPT. Um, yeah, so I, I'm seeing the I'm seeing the potential of that. And then there's some friction of like currently looking at the board of things that need to get done by the the first deliverable date which is the the end of this month i'm looking at this thinking like oh if i just sat down and did all these things it would take me like two days and there's a lot of back and forth happening with working with developers and like this this is just a part-time gig for all of them so they've got other stuff going on um so they're a little slow in like picking stuff up and uh, some of it I'm sure is going to be unclear and going to need some back and forth. But, uh, right now I'm, I'm looking at this problem, like, okay, hold on. There's, there's, you know, this many weeks left in the end of the month. I want to make sure that this is for sure done before my daughter gets here. Uh, at what point do I take over these jobs for myself instead of trying to package up little things for them to do? Um, and so I think, I think what I'm going to say is like, Hey, these things need to be done by this date a little before the actual date um which of these things would you like to take responsibility for here's the menu of things that you can take um knowing that you have to have them finished like they have to be shipped at the end of the month um and i think that's gonna that's gonna fix it dealing with deadlines and other people is is trickier like that's a that's a problem i feel like i haven't quite solved yet very uh yeah it feels more straightforward when it's just me because i'm like well how much time do i have oh okay instead of watching youtube today i'll just do that instead um right yeah, but it's it's been fun. It feels like a lot of uh, personal growth. Yeah, um, several things I could say. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's just a skill that you're going to get better at. Like managing and deadlines is you know, something you have to do, you know. Um, it's also a skill that they will get better at. So like it sounds like some of them are relatively newer mm -hmm. uh, or more junior. And so, yeah, like the more you work with them, the better they will get, the better you will get. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, knowing you, like uh so you said if i just sit down for two days and do it uh how long how often have you said just sit down yeah. for two days and do it and it takes two <laughs> a months lot longer, you know? for sure <laughs> so um something i think especially for our personality types is like having a person like we are responsible for like we have to give them work then they give us work and we have to you know like they expect us to merge their prs or not yes um like that is a forcing function that you cannot get just by forcing yourself to like do the work yes so um I view it uh, as a very positive forcing function and uh, yeah, I don't know. sounds like you're, you're doing well so far. So um, yeah. The, the other thing I'll say is in managing people, there will come a time where something does not go well mm -hmm. and um, like pro projects will miss deadlines or something. And so that, that is going to happen. Um, don't view it as a failure. It's just a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that will happen, but sounds like you have a semi handle on it right now and you'll get better as it goes. So yeah. something I'm keeping in mind is I think, I think this process is only going to get more efficient the more I work with them yeah. because they're going to learn the way that I like to do things. And 
uh, Firebase cloud functions are weird and hard to work with. And uh, it wasn't until I sat down with somebody and uh, one of these three developers and was trying to walk them through this relatively simple job of just like, you know, when when a new user is created, have the serverless function, add them also to ConvertKit. And that the function of it was trivial. Like he he drafted that you know the on day one. The hard part of it was like this plumbing of, oh my god, like, how do you do that in in Firebase? And uh, oh, we have to add a secret. And how, how does that work? And oh, there's four different ways to do this because there's Firebase version function one and Firebase yeah. uh, function version two, which each come with their own version of managing secrets. But oh, hold on, the the trigger for adding a new user hasn't been migrated to version two yet so you actually need to use version one and that's incompatible with the new way of defining this other thing and it it was just a mess but like okay we've done that now and like this developer has been exposed to the greater ecosystem of all the possible problems that can happen in firebase serverless functions the next time i assign him a job in firebase serverless functions he's going to be able to do it so much faster requiring so much less of my time and then it's just going to get better and then like there, there have already been a few instances where like um one of the one of the developers I'm working with, an ex student of mine named Paul, is much better at UI and design than me. And he made I assigned him uh, it was a smaller job of just like make a, a 404 page. He made a better 404 page than I would have made. And I was looking yeah. at it like, all right, dude, <laughs> this is cool. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's fun. There have been a few moments like that with um, Ben also, who I think is the the most senior of these people. Um, oh, what was the I forgot specifically what it was, but there was a there was an idea that he had that I hadn't thought of of like a, a way to simplify something that yeah that was that was fun. I'm I'm getting these little glimpses of like oh hold on this like hiring people smarter than me in these dimensions would would be better. Um, yeah. So far, I'm not paying anyone more than uh, I think forty dollars an hour, which feels like a steal. Like I, I feel like students are the way to go with this. Um, and at the same time, I'm I'm thinking about like okay what what might this look like if i was hiring someone more senior um especially if that would enable me to like take on more consulting projects or something um yeah i i think it's a great way for you to go right now um i think yeah 40 an hour sounds right for a student um because they're going to need two or three times more hand-holding and back and forths yeah um so they're two or three times cheaper than a senior developer Mm -hmm. um so i think that's right um yeah, I don't know. It's just something you'll get better at. And uh, yeah, it's only a few times in my career have I uh, gone through all of the very difficult work in order to get to a point with people where you can just have like, you know, a 20 second conversation, which represents like, you know, a month of, of back and forth. Yeah. Um, and it feels really cool if you can get there. So yeah, the more work and the more effort you put into these relationships, just the better and better they'll get. Yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose it's remarkable that I'm at the stage that I'm at with such little time invested in uh my relationship with them like i I chose people that all know react so that's a easy thing that i didn't have to do that um and like they're all uh that like they're familiar with firebase but a lot of them are are sort of learning most of firebase on the fly um yeah i think it's i think it's remarkable that like right now in in asana where i'm managing all the tasks uh maybe a third a third to a half of the jobs weren't done by me. And that feels pretty cool. I don't know if I've saved net time personally on that yet, but uh, even breaking well, even well, like feels I said, what, incredible. 
with our personality types, it's not necessarily about saving time. I think it's mm. about getting the job done. Like, sure. It's the difference between getting the tasks done and you having to scramble at midnight, yeah. you know, for a couple of days. Yeah, like, for sure, for sure. And yeah. now that this is set up, I'm, I'm fantasizing about like, oh, hold on. I could, uh, you know, if, if, if any one of these people wanted to work a lot more, I could be giving them like more file inbox stuff to be doing at the same time. I could be giving them, right. uh, you know, there's bugs in the time tracker that Sarah and I use, <laughs> this one-off app that I developed um, that I would love to be able to say like, oh, can you fix this please? Here, like do this and oh man, the yeah, the, it, it feels exciting. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. I'm excited to see how this shakes out. So am I, I'll keep you updated. Uh, two more things. The next one is just an update on baby stuff. Baby stuff continues to go well. Uh, remarkably average pregnancy, like uh, Isabella is in the 56th percentile for weight, which is pretty much dead average. Uh, it's pretty good. And the frenulum height, which is the distance from like the top of the pubic bone to some spot on your belly in centimeters is remarkably the number of weeks pregnant that you are. It's one of those mm. weird quirks of like measurement and math. And that is like yeah. right on. Um, yeah, it feels good. We took a tour of the hospital yesterday and I, like, I know where I'm going to park and we got our bags by the door and <laughs> added stuff to my checklist to bring. And, uh, I know what it's going to look like in the room and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, feeling really good. We have 21 days until D day. And according to the doctors, oh, wow. she, she might come a little early. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh, but like we're feeling prepared uh yeah good yeah so i'm excited as long as you if you have a car seat and know how to put it in your car we got then, uh you will figure the rest out yeah. yeah we're like the stuff uh that i added during the hospital tour is just like we're, we're just doing uh what's the term it's it, we're just it's a lot of like nice to have stuff like oh yeah. it'd be nice if if Push i brought my own pillow because then i could sleep a little bit better when i'm uh you know in the room overnight um do you get a private room yeah oh the hospital's so nice it's uh that's good yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's like a hotel room there's like a shower and it's yeah it's it's yep. really really cool our, our, ours was too yeah that's one of the reasons we chose this one is it's yeah it was just super super nice it was a brand new maternity ward uh yeah yeah it's good sarah chose the hospital and uh she got a doula also and the, the doula like has the doula has a really good relationship with the doctor uh yeah and, yeah it's oh it's it's like we, we feel incredibly privileged uh especially comparing yeah. this to the way that humans have given birth through most of human history like this this feels cushy this is like we're, we're gonna yeah. be comfortable they got food they, can, they it, could like deliver food to your room yeah yeah it, it's gonna feel it was so weird because you're in there for like two or three days mm. and it feels in some ways very cushy in other ways like they wake you up every hour during the night uh -huh. like it, so in some ways it's gonna be awful <laughs> but who's waking you up the best and who the are they waking what? up who's who they, they have to take vitals of the mother every hour i think okay yeah they don't have to take my right, vitals. maybe it's every two hours or something like that but yeah no they, they got to make sure you like you're, you're not dying basically like right, you just right. had major major surgery so they got to make sure you're not losing blood and all right. that stuff yeah. i can still be sleeping though oh Unless yeah something's yeah. going they have, on yeah they have a curtain and earplugs and an eye mask yeah that's yes that's I, the way to go uh, I'm asking earplugs for the first thing to go and might go back. Yeah, that's uh, yep. that's important. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. I will. I'll be as well slept as possible while still <laughs> attending to the needs of my wife and yeah. child. Yes. Um. Cool. That was it on that. And then I have an exciting update for you on flashcards. Um. Spaced repetition is the best way to commit things to long-term memory. 
Anki is the standard application to do that. Uh, that's what's used by uh, like professional memorizers. Uh, so like students, especially medical school students or law school students, just the, the game of that, your job is to just cram as much information into your brain as possible. Uh, spaced repetition is the best method of doing that. And Anki is the standard way of doing that. Um, Anki is a terrible app. It was, it's like a native app that was written with this design language from like the 1990s, early 2000s. Um, the syncing system is really weird. It's got a bunch of extraneous buttons. It has way too many settings. Um, so I've been looking for something that accomplishes that job, but with a more modern UI, which actually like, you know, I, I it's a, it's a difference in outcome. Like I won't use Anki because it just feels frustrating to use it every time I use it. And I've like lost syncing between the data a few times between right. my phone and my computer. And then I'm just like, ah, well, let me put this off. So for the longest time I was thinking, let me just build my own thing. Uh, I have this whole toolkit of how to build stuff on Firebase right now. So I, I could spin something up on Firebase. Uh, I reverse engineered this spaced repetition algorithm, which is a lot of fun. That's a, it's a cool algorithm. Um, and had most of the hard parts done, but still needed like, I don't know, <laughs> four optimistic days. So probably, I don't know, eight weeks of, of, uh, uh, <laughs> development on it and was just yeah. putting it off. And, uh, something came up of like some new thing I wanted to memorize. I think it was, uh, the, the faults in the Myers Briggs personality system. There are a few facts around there that I've wanted to commit to memory. Um, and why the big five personality test is better. So this, this came up again and I was like, ah, oh, let me, let me just see, let me do a landscape again of all the existing apps and see if there's something else, uh, better out there. So I tried a few different things and then relanded on mochi, M O C H I, uh, like the Japanese ice cream. And that's the perfect solution. It's a, it syncs from my computer to my phone. And I love their, the, the way that they structure cards and notebooks makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, a very nice modern UI. It's being actively updated, actively maintained. Uh, they're charging money for it. So I feel like development is, is going to look good going forward. Um, yeah. Just wanted to let you know, though, if uh, you're interested in committing things to long-term memory, getting smarter, improving your memory, Mochi, I think, is the, the best way to do that right now. Cool. Um, that's sort of relevant but not relevant to me. I, uh, so I'm doing, re, uh, reinforcement learning and NLP, mm. which I want to memorize things for. Um, I wonder if there are space repetitions, things I could be doing uh, like Greek alphabet is one that I have to relearn every time I take a math class. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's Ada. I, I forget that all the time. Yeah. You know? Um, the, the other thing, uh, I'll make a plug for if you want to memorize stuff is teaching it. Uh, so this is the reinforcement learning book. It is free online, but I bought the, uh, dead tree version. Um, I might make a series of YouTube videos. I think I say this every single time, but like to really learn it, like I could do a, since it's free online, like I could do a series of uh, YouTube videos per chapter, mm -hmm. which would be a pretty good way of learning things. So we'll see. That's my preferred way is teaching, uh, which I might do for this. We'll see. I love that. Very effective. And I would start with, I think we've walked through this before. I would start with blog posts of just your mm. consolidated outline. And then that's super low lift. That's, you know, yeah, you true. open up a new note in your, uh, uh, blog platform and whatever, have a section per chapter or something. And then once you have that, okay, well that can be your script for the video if you wanted to do the video. Yeah. So my blog platform is Gatsby, which I can't run because my node version is out of date. And when I update it, it doesn't work. And so oh my God. <laughs> okay. to write a new blog post, I have to completely rewrite my blog. Well, you know, it's going to uh, be a markdown file, right? So you could just write the markdown file. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Shaving again. Oh, silly. Technology is silly. It is.
ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else? I think that's all I got. That's all I got too. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>